Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer. Joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? I'm going to get it out of the way right now. Because you're a Bearcat fan, it's always good to be a Bearcat fan. But it is not a great day to be a Bearcat fan. Because this is want one, not one, not two, but three times in a row the Bearcats have failed to secure a victory on the football field. I I don't it's weird maybe that I'm I think I'm not as upset as I should be and it's probably because realistically aside from the 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 fake round table prediction but the one prior to that I expressed concerns about the team up front and they're playing out in real life the concerns that we have. Um, so we see some issues today's game though. I think reflected more. We actually seem to actually, we had catchable plays. This game was winnable. This game was winnable. And not only was it winnable, we actually had the plays in place to make the game winnable. A couple drop passes, a botched special teams play, Everything had a making of a Bearcats victory, but it turned into actually a embarrassing defeat for us. And so on that front, I'm I'm just kind of left wondering where do we go next? It is still a great day to be a Bearcat, though. I know you said it's a good day. It's in fact still a great day to be a Bearcat. And and it needs to be said. It's it's 156 a.m. Doesn't always Eastern need time. It does always need to be said people love it it's uplifting during dark times which we are experiencing right now you make a very good point hummer that we are now three weeks running without seeing a win on the football field and i just want to point out that last victory was against the university of pittsburgh on the road on september 9th tonight we just wrapped up watching the Bearcats take their first road trip in the Big 12 Conference to Brigham Young University, BYU, where they lost 35-27 to 27 today, well, yesterday, being September 29th. They do not play again for two weeks on October 14th, which means, Hummer, the Cincinnati Bearcats fan base, the Cincinnati Bearcats faithful, will be going over 30 days without seeing a win during the football season. More importantly, Brandon from Go Beer Cats will be going 30 days without being able to drink a <laughs> beer. Ooh. Ooh. The beer strike continues. For those unfamiliar, we partner with Go Beer Cats podcast on the Cat Skellers Social Club Enterprise. Uh, Viva La Cats, member of the organization as well. I feel, I feel bad for those fellas as they actually made the hike out to Utah to watch this in person. And I must say, Steve, 
from Viva La Cats is one of the more positive people I've met. He's a very, he tends to always speak glass half full, sees the positive in things. And the text messages I was getting from him were dark. The facial expressions, the slouching, the words of discouragement. Hang in there, buddy. It does get better. It will get better. When is to be determined. But Hummer, let's do a game reaction. We're going to try to be much, much better about doing many more game reactions uh, for football season, but also basketball season as Wes Miller and company get ready to ramp up here in the next couple of months. 35 to 27. I want to point out that the Bearcats, with about 36 seconds left in the first half, had a 10 to 7 lead. Let me repeat. 36 seconds left in the first half. The Bearcats had a 10 to 7 lead. And at that point in time, the quarterback for BYU, Mr. Slovis, Keaton Slovis. I don't know if I'm saying that name right or not. Um, he had thrown for two yards. But at that moment, the game, we would come to find out, completely shifted. BYU goes straight down the field. I think it was 82 yards. Score a touchdown. 69 yards without the penalty. Without the penalty, but the penalty happened. 69 yards without the penalty. Nice. And they take the lead into halftime, 14-10. And honestly, at that point, the rest was history. Um, Big play after big play after big play. The defense, which performed so admirably against Oklahoma, fell apart in this game. And we saw them dismantled by an offense that for nearly half the game looked completely incompetent when you consider that seven of those first half 14 points came from a defensive pick six that Emory Jones threw early in the first quarter. Where, where are you at, Hummer? How do, how do we process this game that to me was not only winnable, I think you described it as a very winnable game. It was a game we should have won. The Vegas line went in the direction of the Bearcats because of all the injuries this BYU team was facing, we looked to outmatch them, yet let's they just dismantled us at the very end of the first half and onward. Let, let's separate what BYU did against us, right? Because they executed. They dropped back. They threw passes. They were caught. They scored touchdowns. They executed. And let's, let's, let's separate that from the equation. Look at what the Bearcats didn't do which was execute. We like to throw these fancy stats up there of like, oh, we're the seventh most prolific offense because we average 400 yards a game, but our yards don't produce points. Today was a mix of, you know, I saw a lot of, a lot of people going, like, wouldn't go straight for the coaches, which are the couple reasons where I would say the coach was playing, which is mainly penalties and maybe more things that focus on like how disciplined of a team we are. But the mostly what I saw today, the most, what I saw today was we missed opportunities. We dropped balls. We had missed catches. We, we had, it was the players on the field today that actually lost the game. We had a fourth and I think a fourth and one early on, the tight end, the ball maybe thrown a little to his backside, but totally catchable, drops it. We had a drop catch in the end zone. We had the muffed punt, which the ball 
Honestly, I don't know what he was the thinking. The worst of. muff punt I've ever seen. Ever Braden seen. Smith lost his mind on that play. He it just simply over lost his, his mind. And, he, and honestly, here's the weird part. I would, I would venture to bet if we watched again, I don't think he actually touched it when it bounced over his head. I think it bounced too high, him trying. I think it was the guy behind him not knowing what had happened, trying to get it who actually touched it to make it a live ball. Braden Smith was doing the move when you're a kid. You're walking through the school hallway, and every time you walk through a doorway, you feel the need to jump up and slap the top of the door just to prove that you can do it. Hey, I'm growing. I'm finally five foot five. Watch this, my 17-inch vert. I'm going to touch that doorway. Braden Smith was doing that with a punt. Football that was flipping end over end rapidly, yeah. probably eight and a half, nine feet in the air, maybe higher, and uh, couldn't grab it. Chaos ensued. And so rather than the Bearcats getting the ball back, trailing by eight, 28-20, instead, BYU gets the ball in the red zone. They punch it in, 15-point lead. And at that point, you know, where there are a couple opportunities there at the very end, barring some sort of miracle, sure. But that essentially, that moment, that sequence, essentially ended the game. Here's where I'm really at. And this is where I go a little dark. BYU is probably the third worst team with their current injury status. They had two, I think, someone can correct me on this, but I believe it's two walk-ons on their offensive line. And we can say all you want about walk-ons being different for football versus basketball, blah, blah, blah. My point is they are non-scholarship players. They are paying full freight and fair for their university education and they're playing football as a hobby, <laughs> right there. That's who was on their line. And we have guys on our side of the ball who are projected to be one of them, at least NFL draft pick, maybe first round late, late first round, early second round draft pick Dante Corleone, right? We have Briggs. We have, we have Deshaun Pace. And we did not deliver against that. Plays that... were there to be made. Plays were there to be made. And it's a fair criticism that the players had opportunities in this game to make plays that could, in theory, have won the game for the Cincinnati Bearcats. I do think it would be a mistake to look past the coaching performance that we're seeing thus far from Scott Satterfield and his staff. Our team, when you just look at the raw box I'm not, score, I'm not, I'm not, hang on, I'm not, I need I'm not to run through this. The, I'm not putting Listen, them on the, this. But game. you're going to let me finish, and then you can, you're welcome to, to combat it however you want. But the reality is, this is a team that, again, had 26 first downs to BYU 17, converted at a nine of 18 clip from third down. 50% of their third downs they converted. A total yardage of 498 yards to BYU's 295. They ran the ball for 242 yards on 47 attempts, averaging 5.1 a carry. And they dominated control of the ball with a time of possession of 35 to 25. Statistically, the Bearcats dominated this game. The two egregious red flags on that stat sheet, penalties, seven for 63 yards, turnovers, two to zero. What I, what I, what I struggle with, Hummer, the offense still has not scored in the red, red zone. Three games running, I think. No touchdowns. Maybe maybe one touchdown since the Miami game in the red zone. They cannot execute when they get close to the scoring zone. Additionally, 
defensively, the breakdowns we saw, that's coaching, schemes, concepts, how putting guys in the right position, actually, calling the right plays. That breakdown at the end of the first half, that's inexcusable. You can't. How, how many times did we get into the red zone today? Well, less we're, than in the not, past few games because they did not, score a few touchdowns from there. distance. We're not getting there. They we're are not. getting there. They're, the, today, they scored touchdowns. Like It's not completely fair to blame it purely on red zone. They did end up with 27 points in this game. A little bit of that is skewed because one of them was garbage time. Frankly, that, that, that touchdown at the last minute of the game, that's a garbage time touchdown. This game was 35 to 20. We settled for field goals in the red zone again. Yes, players missed plays, but defensively, I'm not, I'm not, I'm the, not the schemes, the concepts, the execution were atrocious. And let's also not let's also consider Miami blocked field goal, returning a punt here in BYU. Critical moment. We're fumbling it. We're making a mistake there. Mental error. There are mistakes all across the board, all three phases. The Bearcats are not executing at any phase of the game at an elite level or an above average level. The, the administration, the coaching staff can point to the yardage and the totals all they want. You have to score points to win games. And it's clear right. when we get to the scoring zones, this team has no freaking idea what they're doing. You know, you know, from past, from us talking past podcasts and that I'm not the biggest fan of the coaching staff. I've described them as meh. Last week, I kind of went off on them. And I still believe this. We hired a guy who has a 60% win percentage-ish, you know, plus or minus 5% at Appalachian State, to a guy who was at Louisville who had a plus or minus 60% win percentage, one more season's on the hot seat there, and is probably this year looking to get fired if he's not making, you know, nine-win season at Louisville. That's who we hired. I'm not a fan of the coaching staff. This game in particular for me, highlighted some of their deficiencies like you mentioned the penalties the undisciplinedness the stupid mistakes of like the, the the special teams but from what i saw in this game was just the players missed more of the opportunities than the coaching staff did we missed plays that could have happened that turned the game around the dropped passes on the fourth, the fourth down. There's just so many things that it was, it was evident that the players here today, I think deserve more of the blame than, than say the coaching staff, because we also saw more of what I've been wanting to see, which is Emory Jones rolling out of the pocket and looking more comfortable from that position and throwing the ball when he's, you know, has the option of sitting there for a few seconds because he knows he has the extra space that he's created, making the defense make a decision whether to come after him to play his running game or letting him throw. And he was hitting some good throws from 15 yards, 20 yards, 10 yards, the comeback throws. He was hitting some throws. The deep ball was still elusive for him. He, he missed a couple downfield open shots that could have really, really opened the game up for us. But when he started rolling out, he started having those opportunities to hit those, those, those 15, 20-yard shots, which he did. My biggest issue is, and you pointed this out on that stat, what, 400-and-something yards, which I know we're going to see a graphic about next week about how we're the most e e prolific offense in college football with the most yardage, but we don't score points from it. I do think there is still 
there's still an element of the coaching staff there of the play calling needs to just in the red zone needs to, I don't know what it is. I, yeah, that's, I'm not a football coach, right? I'm not, paid, I'm not sure I know exactly. Um, I, what I know is there's, there's a clear lack of confidence in the red zone. There's not a lot of ingenuity happening there. I don't see a ton of, uh, schematically, offensively, I don't see us drawing up plays that are getting our wide receivers or our talented athletes in space to make plays. Yes, we are generating yardage. And yes, I think your commentary on players missing plays that could have turned the game into a, a different type of result. Offensively, that's totally fair. There were some critical drop passes. Singletary on the fourth down in the first half. Kiner, fourth down in the red zone. Or maybe it was third down in the red zone. Um, those, those are moments are flashpoint moments that, that potentially are taking points off the board because you're, you're dropping a critical pass. Um, Emory Jones, much better today, in my opinion, than he was against Oklahoma. He's still missing passes. He's still inconsistent, but we know that's who Emory Jones is. We know who Emory Jones is. You know why we know who Emory Jones is? He's been in college for like four years already. He's played a ton of college football. We knew exactly who he was coming into the season. So anybody dropped a tutty. I got you. I got you. It was a perfectly thrown ball. Okay. But then tell me defensively, defensively, we hold this team to 28 carries for 70 yards, two and a half carries a rush. We hold their quarterback to 13 of 24 passing for 223 yards. Yet we forced no turnovers. And yet with those stats, this team put up 28 offensive points against us because they got a pick six as well, which is was an egregious throw. That was an egregious mistake. We we can't stop giving up big plays. Defensively, it's incredible how vulnerable this team is to giving up these huge chunk yardage plays. And it doesn't matter if it's third and 19, like that goal line. Uh, you know, we've got Oklahoma pinned deep inside their own five, third and 19, doesn't matter. They convert it. We had Miami Red, Miami Redhawks throwing the ball over the top, 70 yard touchdown to we start had a game. Today. It was like it was like a third and a third and fifteen, and they rushed it out to, to a first down today. It's we had it's another incredible. One of those. That's coaching, Hummer. Okay. That's coaching. You cannot tell me that the defensive performance today is all on the players. Maybe a miscommunication a on that it's wheel route touchdown on the final play, but they're they're running it right down the field. It has to be better. There's a group of gentlemen who have been hired to lead this team, coach this team, and deliver results. And you, we hear you, the hype about who they've brought in year one. The talent on this team is good enough to be playing better than a three-game losing streak that includes losses at home to the Miami Redhawks and on the road against a depleted BYU team that does not have a more talented roster than the Cincinnati Bearcats. When did we record last? Like four days ago? Ish. You challenged me to be more original in my criticisms of the coaching staff in this team. So I'm going to challenge you right now to be more creative in saying it's just them. What specifically about them? Because here's the thing. I don't buy the coaching staff. I haven't bought them. I've never bought into this coaching staff. I didn't buy the hire. I haven't liked it. And I'm not here sitting here defending them, saying they're the greatest thing on earth. But they're only a part of the problem. They are a big and sometimes a big part of the problem. But today's game, 
I think rested more on the players executing. And there was still the issue of the, the coaching staff, which is you gotta have, you can't make these offsides. I think there was one, one series where we moved the ball 30, 40 yards, like in total offense, but we reality only moved the ball like 10 yards on the field because of penalties. That is where I think where the coaching comes into play. But the other things where it's the drop hat, that's not coaching. That's uh, that's where you have to, as a player, to make a play. Absolutely. You Absolutely. have to go and make a play. So I think it goes – Especially for a team like, like this struggling offensively to score points like they have, when there's an opportunity to make a play, Corey Kiner needs to catch the ball. When there's an opportunity to make a play, Singletary needs to catch the ball. When there's an opportunity to make a play, Matera needs to get a little higher on the jump, put two hands on the ball, pull it down, catch the tutty, right? He made up for it. He made up for it with another spectacular catch. I joked earlier in the season we wouldn't see a better catch this season than we saw from Braden Smith in that second game of the year against Pittsburgh. It's somehow every game there's a miraculous catch happening on, on this team. They're not delivering enough. And yes, players have to make plays. Yes, several critical plays and moments in this game cost the team what should have been a win on the road in the Big 12. Instead of going to three and two, getting back on the winning side of things, Bearcats head into their bye week, two and three. They're still, they're 0-2 in conference play. And more critically, Hummer, is the team getting better? Are we seeing steps forward? When you look at that EKU performance, that shining light on the hill, 66 points, throwing the ball all over the field. What What did I say about EKU? It's ECU. It's ECU. (laughs) Guys, we're taking, we're, I I compared it to the Thomas Moore game where I I accused or I proclaimed that the Bearcats had indeed scored a hundred, dropped a hundo on Thomas Moore, where you correct, you rightly so correct me and said we dropped like 73, 74 ish on him. But it's reminding us that it was Thomas Moore that we did it against. That was ECU. We did it against. It ended up being quite, and it now was quite the foreshadow, talking about that EKU game and how it might have compared to the Thomas More matchup that yeah, kicked off the I John th- Brandon think, era. I think you kind of you kind of scoffed at me for saying I was still meh about like the performance against. No, ECU. That could, it was never a sexy hire. It was, but you couldn't deny that game, that EK, EKU game. If you were skeptical about them coming into that game, everything in that particular game looked awesome. Aggression, going forward on fourth down, throwing the ball downfield, scheming guys open, receivers are running open all over the field. Emery's got huge windows to throw into. Since that game, Hummer, Emery's had tight windows. Guys aren't running open in space. Which which conference? Who? ECU. Are they? What conference are they even in? That's an old friend of ours. I think you know the answer to that question. Conference USA? No, the American Athletic Conference, my friend. ECU. East Eastern Carolina, East Carolina University. We're talking or EKU. Or Kentucky. Okay. <laughs> it's 2 a.m. And since you lights have been consumed. All right. Give us some grace. EKU, I have no idea what conference they're in. They're not even in a named conference that we know of. <laughs> the Mac is not much better, but it's 
it's definitely better than whatever East East Kentucky is is sitting in. It doesn't matter. We were playing a team that we probably paid to come get their ass kicked in Nipper Stadium, and we kicked their ass, and, and we it kicked their ass like we're supposed to. And it, and it meant means nothing. nothing. And it, the next, you game, literally can say we can look back at that game and say it literally has meant nothing because we haven't shown any of those signs again. Everything has gone because it doesn't down. matter. Everything has regressed since that moment. Everything's regressed because we honestly paid marginal better talent. We played better talent than what that team has. Yeah, but this is still a down I'm, Big Twelve Hummer. I'm and I'm and, not, and honestly, I'm, do you remember last week I talked about the Oklahoma game? I said Oklahoma. If you're considering yourselves a contender to win the Big Twelve Conference, you should be concerned about this offensive performance. You should be concerned about walking out of there scoring only 20 points against the Bearcats. And frankly, people you look at this be BYU concerned. game, Oklahoma, you should be ashamed of yourselves. People should be concerned about us winning six games. Remember, that was everybody's adjusted baseline for, for what is a good year. I think we will be lucky to win two more games in the rest of the year. Are you telling me there's an update to the Hummer algorithm? Do we need to run through the Hummer algorithm again and get We're an not. update? We're not winning nine games. We're winning the last two. time we ran the Hummer algorithm, we were winning nine games. Hummer, let's recompute, reset your your algorithm. Let's go. Let's run through it. We're going to run through the rest of the schedule. You're going to tell me how many more games we're going to win. October fourteenth, Iowa State at Cincinnati. Win or lose, loss. Baylor comes to town October twenty first. Win or loss, win. One and one. Cincinnati travels to Stillwater to face Oklahoma State. What does the Hummer algorithm have happening? A loss to a very, very subpar Oklahoma State team. Red flag. Central Florida comes to town November 4th at Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium. A loss again. We're one and three after the break. Cincinnati then travels to Houston. Come on, Hum. Come on, algorithm. He's got another loss. We are one and four after the bye week per the Hummer, Hummer algorithm. The Bearcats then travel on the 18th to West Virginia. Corey Sims old stomping grounds for a victory. Two and four. And then we close out the season home against currently number 24 Kansas. who's traveling to Austin, Texas to face off against Texas this week. Another loss. The Hummer algorithm, folks, has the Bearcats going two and five the rest of the way, which would put them at four and eight to close out the season, which if that comes true, if that is, in fact, the final record of these Bearcats, that would be a tremendous disappointment. You cannot twist it or shape it or frame it in any other way. This team should be better than four and eight. I hope your algorithm is wrong. I hope Speaking, it is too. I just, speak, I'm just, I'm just looking at what I've seen based off what I've seen and where our deficiencies lie. I don't think this is a very good football team. I don't think it's very well coached. I don't think they're particularly good at executing. And I think a lot of those things are going to come down to be it's their liabilities. And we've talked about liabilities of individual like groups, you know, linemen, whether it's the O-line, the D-line, the secondary, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm just talking about it in general. We have 
a team liability, which is we don't execute, we're not disciplined, and we're not well coached. That's a recipe for disaster for for a first year here. And you know, I guess the good news is there's always next year. We get time to improve. You know, I, I what did you say happened during uh during the game? Since he reigns throughout a little tweet saying if you want better players, donate, donate more here. money. Donate, donate here. here. <laughs> right? So like that's that's literally what it's coming down to. If you want better players, we gotta we gotta bring them in. We gotta go we gotta get up them. the game. We gotta up the ante. So we gotta and, up and the it, game. That's the uh the ugly side of the coin for the fan base is after that Oklahoma game, you look at the schedule and you say, Look, the Big 12 is down. There's a lot of teams on there that we are not intimidated by. We have opportunities to win every one of those games we're going to play against this level of competition. The other side of that coin, folks, is that those teams look at the schedule and they see Cincinnati, this Cincinnati team that's currently two and three that has lost to the Miami Redhawks. And what they're saying to themselves is that's a win. Yeah. Every game, there, there are no sure thing victories on this schedule from here on out. We are not going to be a significantly more talented team. We're going to have talent that's generally equal to these teams. In fact, you look at this BYU game, we were a more talented team, and we lost 35-27. Scott Satterfield is not doing himself any favors right now with how this team is performing and how they're evolving in year one. It's, it's going to be imperative for him to show signs of improvement as the season goes along. We saw it with Wes Miller in that first season as the season went along and it just went loss after loss after loss in a conference like the American Athletic that, yes, you can bitch and moan about the talent all you want. We should have been winning those games. It creates unnecessary pressure. And for a guy who wasn't necessarily the most popular hire in the first place, this was not a sexy name or a candidate where that left people's jaws on the floor with surprise and, and um, you know, excitement necessarily. There was some hype and there was some belief with regard to, you know, some of the offensive acumen. It hasn't come to bear fruit. Yes, there's yardage. No, there's not points. And speaking of being wrong, Hummer, uh, with regard to hoping that your algorithm is wrong, I went out with my five guarantees. We're going to do this on a weekly basis. Let's see how I shaked out with, with the five guarantees for the Cincinnati Bearcats as they faced off against BYU. Did you go guarantee you number one? The Cincinnati Bearcats will score a touchdown and it will occur on a red zone possession. Number two, Deshaun Pace will not only return to the lineup, but he'll do so with a vengeance. He will force a turnover at altitude. Book it, forgive, and forget. Guarantee number three. The broadcast will feature a Godfather graphic because Don Dante Corleone is inevitable and originality is dead. Nailed it. We've got one right. Guarantee number four, Miles Montgomery will lead the Bearcats in rushing yards. False. I think he was third. And guarantee number five, the Cincinnati Bearcats will achieve their first Big 12 win and road win, an achievement that will send our new awesome Friends from BYU spiraling. No, that was also incorrect. And we are the ones who are spiraling to the depths of hell, watching our football team go more than a month without a victory. Godspeed to the Cincinnati Bearcats fan base. 
And I look forward to talking to you all in the coming weeks about A, how we turn this thing around on the football field, but B, everything that Wes Miller's got cooking in the basketball team because basketball is coming back to Cincinnati. Big 12 Hoops is here, and there are reasons to be excited about this upcoming Cincinnati Bearcats basketball season. Look, like the Titans submersible, UC football is imploding. (laughs) But there is hope because UC basketball, if the rumors are true, we got some waivers. They're coming through. We're going to be attorney. We're we're going to the attorney, baby. Waiver singular. There's been one waiver. Waiver singular. And I don't want to harp on this too long, but here's my prediction. I'm going to give an early prediction for UC, UC basketball. We're going to finish in the top five of the Big 12 Conference. Mm. We're going to finish in the mm. top five. We're, we're, going to, we're not even going to be a bubble team. We're going to be a bona fide tournament team this year. Bona fide tournament team, no bubble, top five Big 12 finish this year. It's going to be an amazing season for the Bearcats basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun watching them play.